everyone greetings and hello from the cmtk talk hour podcast i am your co-host cm kozuman joined here after a long absence by tk sivgin hello and it's been a while so what's happened in the intervening month or so or two months take it away man let's hear it from you uh well you have been a bit like we are, it has taken us a while to record a new episode because uh, well you have been a bit busy at home and didn't have like the right conditions to record and also i've been like uh, repeatedly sick oh my i hope you get better thank you yeah like i'm still a little bit right now but it's okay don't worry about me what's wrong though it like there is like this a sort of flu going around in switzerland that like attacks like the middle ear and such Oof. so like for a time i like actually had hearing problems because oh. of it but and also just general fever weakness like joint pain you know like regular flu symptoms oh sounds like my amazing covid adventure from three years ago uh it attacked my middle ear too and i had bouts of vertigo I hope it didn't get that bad with you, though. Vertigo? No, I didn't have that. I, was, uh, I had to vomit once, but... <laughs> yep, yep, same story. Well, get well soon, my friend. Thank get you. Get well soon. So, let's do the catch-up. What else, what else happened? Uh, I nuked Rainia. Yes. Which, for... like, in retrospect, like that makes the first episode of his podcast so, like, awkward. <laughs> Yeah, let's do a recap for viewers just joining in. Rhinia was a speculative evolution project created by TK Sivgin and another party where they kind of tried to chronicle life that would evolve on an alien space station that had been abandoned for like 50 million years. Imagine you leave your fridge, you go to holiday for 50 million years, come back there's all kinds of shit in there so that sort of project with a space station but i guess it was you who launched an asat missile and completely obliterated this project and <laughs> well it's not exactly what happened so like like basically the the other p- person uh, bob guan like he he came up with the idea that it's like mm-hmm. on a space station at first and we came into contact uh, when he, I remember, like, we came into contact after he saw, like, an article I wrote about brachiopods. Mm-hmm. And so he started introducing, like, the rest of brachiopods into his project. And mm-hmm. I noticed, and that's how we started talking and working together. And then, like, I became, like, a major creative drive, actually, like, creating, like, fleshing out the, mm-hmm. the scenario he created and creating, like, the the characters and the narration mm-hmm. and of course i also made a couple of creatures mm-hmm. and then that's that <laughs> and then like over the last year or so like let's Dude. say we, like we had creative differences <laughs> yeah and well, well this is life and i mean i guess without digging too deep into the drama zone, I guess these creative differences happen between 
everyone when multiple people work on a single project. And it could be something as like rarefied a form of high art as speculative evolution. Or it could be a regular thing at work. I mean, like when you start like work life, you see another dimension to this. And the, all I could say is that like, obviously there's a lot of juicy drama we could sink our teeth in, but let's rise above and let bygones be bygones because at the end of the day, it, this is only a creative endeavor between people. And coincidentally, if I may interject, it's one of the reasons why I'm kind of hesitant about group projects because yeah, same now. Like, like I have been asked afterwards by some people, "Hey, can, do you want to participate in this and that project?" And I said, "Hell, the fuck no!" <laughs> like, like, no, I, no, I am not going through that. Like, I, I'm doing my own spec evil project with blackjack and hookers. <laughs> <laughs> to quote Bender from Futurama. Well, all right, all right. Well, wishing you the best in your current existing project, especially Hard Assure. I've been observing it really keenly. And just to comment, the way you write and the way you kind of talk about science in that world is as... I have the, the newest one right here. The newest stuff yes. Drawing. I'm looking at the site of a fossil dig with some sort of creature, I'm not going to reveal any descriptions, but it looks very interesting and looks like you got something like the robot from that 1990s movie, Short Circuit, in there. Uh, short, I, I think I know which movie you mean, but it has like a different title in German. It's the one with the mobile eyebrows and to security yeah. camera eyes. Yeah, like they this like a live action wally almost like in german it's called uh, Nummer 5 lebt yes yes which, number yeah, that, five number five lives yes because it's uh, like about this robot gaining consciousness and like falling in love with a girl yeah it was a really like nice and feel good type of movie yeah. Uh, yeah, while we're on the topic of movies, uh, I recently watched uh, the Super Mario movie in cinemas. Ooh, you were lucky. Well, I haven't seen that one, but I've only heard good things about it. Have you watched the one from the 90s? I, I actually love the one from the 90s, the 1993 Super Mario World. The, the, the, the, like, the, the one where they tried to like replicate Blade Runner. Yeah, I was going like, to say that. It's yeah. <laughs> actually... It had this like weird vibe of its own. The whole like, maybe it kind of resonated with me because basically the world depicted there with all those narrow places and people like hustling out a living in like corners. It's kind of similar to certain parts of Istanbul, especially the more decrepit regions. And I mean, I really love that film. I, for me, it wasn't about Mario, but they had this like bizarre world where like people ate worms and like somewhat reptilian. It had a kind of film noir atmosphere. Yeah, the, the backstory is so bizarre. It's like about how the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs somehow split our universe into like two separate uh, a pocket alternative, dimension. alternative realities, like one where we live 
and the other one where the dinosaurs survived and somehow evolved into humans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, and but that's why everything in the Mario universe is kind of dinosaur theme, like with Yoshi and like Bowser is a well, he's not a dinosaur in the games. He's like this. Uh, he's a dragon turtle, which is like an actual being from like Eastern mythology. Yeah, yeah. But for the movie, I just liked how everybody was like they like subtly dropped hints that their ap appearance as humans was only temporary. Like Dennis Hopper, he has this like amazing hairdo that looks like ridges on the back of some reptile. Yeah, and like just just to, just to drive home the point, every five seconds or something, like one of those post-human, post-dinosaur, quasi-human creatures does this like a sort of like a speeded up head head shake or like like he pokes his tongue tongue out and it's a forked tongue and stuff. I really love how weird that was. I, I only only wish the same same crowd, the same crew, with the same Toxic mindset. Also, by the way, apparently it was a really toxic film set environment there. Imagine if they did Sonic as well, and like, imagine what kind of weirdness they'd come up with. Sonic, yeah. I mean, I have, have you? I haven't seen the this new Sonic movies yet, but they, I think they kind of are. Well, they're not gritty or anything, but they take place in like our real world. Yeah, I haven't seen them either. Apparently, Jim Carrey does a not so bad job at it. Yeah, but I think many people say he was the best part in it, which I mean, it's not hard to imagine. He play, he literally plays a cartoon villain and Jim Carrey is like a cartoon that somehow morphed into a real world. Like how he can like transform his face is insane. Yeah, I think those films, by the way, pulled Jim Carrey away from this kind of dangerous hipster oblivion zone. In which he was like, kind of becoming like, I'm just a guy who wants to paint and talk about vaccine hesitancy and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, right. And I remember. Those, those movies kind of like pulled him out of that nosedive. So yeah, that's, you, you're actually right now that I think about it. That's <laughs> imagine like in like ten years, like people gonna say like Sonic saved Jim Carrey. Well, it could be. It could be. I mean, who knows? Uh, about movies, I'm really looking forward to the cheesiest, cheesiest movie of them all, Fast and Furious 10, coming to theaters this weekend. And just for posterity, I'm recording on the 16th of May. And actually, in two days, I'm going to have my birthday, so it's going to be my birthday present to see the never-ending, interminable adventures of Dominic Toretto and his family. So there. I never watched Fast and the Furious, but oh, you're missing out. It's like, are they like it's like stupid fun, right? It has, and I've recorded like somewhere in the depths of my YouTube channel. There's like a two-hour talk about values of Fast and Furious. Basically, it's like going to ham going to imagine you've been like on a sort of vegetarian diet or like some chicken shit salad diet or stuff and then one day you say enough and you go to burger king stuff in a chicken royale with diet coke that's how it feels like it only has good feelings yeah and it's, 
sometimes you kind of need like lowbrow entertainment, I think. Yes, yes. Like I, I love Jackass, for example. Like I love those like movies. I love the original MTV show. Oh. Like it's so stupid, but it's so entertaining. And the, like the people there are clearly having a fun time. Well, except the ones yeah. that get like stung in the balls by bees. I mean, they towards the end they were like going almost for like some sort of mondo mando macabro type of body yeah. mutilation angle, like, almost like like. In the late stapling. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, like in I the interrupted. This movie, like one of the um, most insane stunts they pulled is like they put the guy without telling him what they were gonna do into a room. Like they chained him to a chair. Mm-hmm. Then they put like honey on his head and like salmon on into his crotch. And then mm-hmm. they just let a wild bear into the room. Oh shit! Like an actual bear and. I'm not yeah. sure, maybe, maybe it's like one of those circus bears where they like pulled out all the teeth. That, that's a horrible practice that sadly exists. Or if it was like an actual trained animal, but like for a second it looked like the, the bear was going to go for it. The, the, another memorable incident from that series was always there was this like a small person in those films. Uh, yeah, a wee man. Yeah, and he was like, I think... He kind of did such damage to representation of such people on screen that only with the coming of game and of the Game of Thrones and with the cool, smart character of Tyrion was his name. Yeah. Only then, you know, was this uh, like like that guy in those movies single-handedly like typecast. The correct term is little people these days as sort of like crazy like dwarf tossing i don't know what he did in the films i never watched them but i mean i can't i mean they were like all stunt man basically and he made and they made just stunts based off his stature where they <laughs> threw him around but i can't imagine that that alone would do such damaging things to yeah all little person for me because it's jackass who takes that seriously yeah I think what you're maybe thinking of is maybe uh, the guy who played Mini-Me in the Austin Powers movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's because what that I like. one is, is like, that because the Austin Powers is like more like uh, acted, you know, and mm-hmm. and that one, uh, that's played like way, way more for comedy, how small that guy is. Mm-hmm. Like the, I think it was in the third movie where like Austin Powers just like kicks him around into his fridge. Ah, yes. I mean, this 90s humor, I'm really kind of relieved that the the Zoomers, the new generation these days, never has to grow up with that kind of stuff. Because not only was it boring, it was basically in those days, you didn't have memes on the internet, you had memes on TV and in cinema series. So all this goddamn generation of these like early millennials and late gen Xers, they can't stop freaking quoting these things to each other. Like, oh, I find it very annoying. Like one of the cardinal sins of my generation. I mean, the boomers may have destroyed the economy and destroyed the world, but these gen Xers and millennials has, have this like crime of tastelessness to answer for. Anyways. Mm. Yeah, like, 
Yeah, the 90s, the people imagine that as like this, like lost golden age because it was like the before 9-11 and after the collapse of the Cold War tensions. Just, a, yeah. just a little bit of genocide in the Balkans. But yeah, yeah, right. That, that, that also Rwanda. Yeah, exactly. That that yeah, that gets overlooked, and also, of course, like the the remaining societal problems from the 80s that were still not resolved. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm, people true. were all like, like, oh, we passed laws back in the 60s, so now racism doesn't exist anymore and stuff. Like one of the things I admire about that decade is at least they had a kind of counterculture thing going on. Definitely, yeah. that that is that that was that was the cool thing most people remember from the nineties. How like everything had to be like rad or extreme or super. Like just look at the console names like Super Nintendo or I think there was like a game all, almost called Sonic Extreme. Like Sonic is like again like a good mm -hmm. good example of like this nineties counterculture. Like the, like all the young kids back then didn't thought Mario was too much of a nice guy, so they wanted to play with Sonic, who, <laughs> like, shows you the teachers the the middle finger. Like, I think there was a commercial where he actually did that. Yeah, and also, also, I mean, you had things like, I mean, I, I lived through this, so, like, you had a sort of left-wing based anti-system narrative in films such as Fight Club, the Matrix, or even movies like uh, American Beauty, you had these like big like blockbuster movies warning people that you know the world you live in is kind of tricking you, and like telling people to second guess and like think things twice. Now, sadly, that whole angle has been appropriated by right wing extremists, and it's a kind of low like left-wing but also critical of society whereas if you look at uh, the state of affairs today many so-called left-wing approaches to many things scratch them a little and they kind of feel like uh, hillary clinton's campaign you know mm. they feel too managed and like over-regulated but anyways and like it was the right stuff but somehow the narrative got appropriated by this like wacky right-wing quote-unquote racist crowd so i don't know how that's going to be yeah, you just reminded me because you're talking about politics um as of recording right now there are elections going on in turkey oh oh yes yes and yeah how has that been going for you have you voted yes the elections have been concluded there is going to be a second round and it looks like the state of affairs is not going to change. And I kind of had a like whiff of this coming because the way they campaigned was basically the opposition chose a fake it till you make it approach. And they basically said, oh, we already won. Our candidate is the next president. Yeah, like... But they were appealing to, they were preaching to the choir, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. like ever since the 2016 election in the US, you know, where everyone was sure Hillary Clinton would win, like, I don't trust these prognosis anymore. Yeah, and, and like, long story short, 
all I can say is that Turkey is a hopeful nation and will continue forever to remain one. <laughs> so, yeah. So there, that's all I could say. I mean, I it, just it's... like let me just say I just hope the the country will gain some stability because we geopolitically, like I don't want to turn this into a political podcast, obviously, but geopolitically we are i think in some deep shit for the next decade yeah, because yeah. what is happening in ukraine right now i think could re- very well be the the ending for the russian federation because they're doing this exact same mistake as the soviet mm-hmm. union did when they invaded afghanistan mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. course when and if russia collapses into like ma- many smaller successful states Mm-hmm. There, there, there will be help. Well, wait, interesting, uh, interesting angle. Wait, wait, let me just explain to our uh, viewers. Um, Memo is sitting right now in an internet cafe, so you, you have to ex- excuse the weird noises that are sometimes heard from his end. Yes, yes. Well, it's a sunny day. I mean, what I'm more afraid about that that whole issue is a sort of acceptance of basically high intensity warfare so there's like a spectrum of inter-block competition ranging from like commercial competition to like basically constantly talking shit about each other some sort of trade conflicts like the one you see between us and china now it seems the world has managed to kind of create a sort of contained war situation where there's like a part of the global empire province of such and such and they're having a war there like and and for our friends in europe that's very scary because this thing can easily spill east especially towards places like poland and stuff yeah like I, I really don't Polish know what friend to and say. She's, I have a Polish friend and she is um, yeah, very scared of like the situation because she has many relatives there and also in Belarus, which now mm-hmm, could mm-hmm. also be an ex. Like there's now many new rumors that that's Putin's like exit plan if he fails in Ukraine. Hmm. Yeah. I, mean, I guess we'll have to live and learn. Huh? What can I say? How I dare, mean, how dare you quote Sonic again in such a situation? Does Sonic say "Live and Learn"? That that's like a song from Sonic Adventure. Oh shit! I, I never knew. I never knew. <laughs> so <laughs> but, but now, now we have now a title for this episode: Sonic and the UFOs, because that's the second topic we wanted to talk about. Yes, and we haven't even spoken about UFOs yet. So, in the last couple of months, I've been on a UFO bender, and first I read Whitley Strieber's Communion, and its follow-up, Transformation. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've found that too. Apparently, he has a third book, which is just pure science fiction now, but the second book was really boring. It's like, What's it about? It's, again, his continuing experiences with these... UFO visits, and he literally has like three or something. Mm-hmm. And then he has this kind of like 
upper middle class person's anxiety about fear or something. And then his wife is like, you have to confront your fear. And he has to go out to like the forest at night. He's just very afraid of it for some reason. But I mean, communion was a kind of a letdown. This one is even more boring and like, there's nothing scary in it. Like I would have been satisfied even if the story is like obviously a self-concocted lie, but if it was kind of scary or like at least I would have called it a thriller, but it's just a nothing burger. So then I set my sights on uh, Nick Pope, the other guy, the British guy. Oh. Yeah, yeah, the, the real. I, I, yeah, I, I found Nick Pope very interesting. Yeah, go on. No, no, he's more based. He's certainly like, he's certainly not lying. Basically, he worked in the U.S. in the in the U.K. Ministry of Defense, in a part of the Air Forces. Just yeah, like he was involved in the Randlesham, like in investigating the Randlesham Forest incident. Yeah, yeah, that one was bizarre. Like he has a few quotes, like the Randlesham Forest incident, some Belgium radar malfunction, Funkorama, in which like some jets chased a UFO trail on the radar and then he basically like that's he basically says the government has to look into this he's very skeptical of the fringe ufo crowd as well so there's something yeah like i get I really get the the feeling from him that like he he's not a nut and he doesn't want to exploit anyone but he just takes the, these things like he takes the mere possibility that this could be alien aircrafts just that seriously yes. as like a security concern yes, yes. He, he even wrote like his own like sci-fi novel about what would realistically what would militaries realistically do if it turned out that ufos are actually alien spacecrafts and they are not here peacefully mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which I, I always wanted to read that but i have but i haven't gotten an opportunity yet well if you find it it's really nice i also got his oh yeah, but let me say the name of the novel. It's called Operation Thunderchild, which is an obvious reference to War of the Worlds. Oh, nice. I the book I read was called mm, Open Skies, Closed Minds, and I would recommend it. It's it's kind of padded somewhere. Like he has these like long and inflated discussions about crop circles and ancient aliens and like cattle mutilation. And what Some, does he say about those things? Like, basically, he says there's something out there. That's all. Okay. But he puts them all in the same bag. But it's actually what he says about things like the Rendlesham incident, in which do you want to talk about what happened there, by the way, for our viewers? Uh, uh, yeah, like, it's been a while since I read about that. But I think the basic story was that in this, like, area in Britain, or I think it was Wales, maybe. I don't know where the Randlesham Forest is. But basically, there was a military base there. Mm -hmm. And they picked up something weird on the radar. And then the soldiers there actually saw a weird light in the sky. Mm -hmm. They followed it into the forest. And they saw this thing, like, like I think it spit out some sort of magma first. And then it lowered itself. And then it drove through the forest like a, like a train through a tunnel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then there is at least one of these 
alleged witnesses who claims to have even touched the UFO and it somehow like uploaded a code into his brain. But it's, like, it's very silly, honestly, when you watch that guy talk. Yeah, so yeah, exactly as you happened, except um, in Nick Pope's case, he doesn't talk about the brain upload thing. Maybe that was a part of the mythology that was created later on. But but I'm I'm I'm very like almost convinced that during those days they probably observed something like a US secret spacecraft test or something or like a secret a kind of secret um, stealth aircraft something like that and and who knows maybe it was one of those like magic invisible helicopters they used to hunt bin laden with so there yeah i think the the commonly accepted explanation is that they were just confused by the light coming from a nearby lighthouse yeah i mean i, I don't know i don't know yeah and then maybe uh, there was just something else going on separately in the forest and they just connected that in their minds. Yeah. And maybe El Chupacabra was uh, driving around in, in his fancy car. <laughs> I don't know. But, I mean, you're right on this matter that, like, maybe the only mistake Nick Pope has is, like, he, he collages a lot of things together. But when you think about this, these things may not always be directly related. So there, but I'm, it was a nice read. I recommend this to everyone. And like, he sounds like a based guy. Yeah. And what was the name again? Open clouds? Open skies, closed minds. Okay. He has this like cathartic belief that like if, if someone's, if the world government or something suddenly acknowledges UFOs, then something big is going to happen, but I don't think that's going to be the case. That sounds like, it reminds me a bit of Ronald Reagan, who like, when Re Reagan discussed like uh, making treaties with the Soviet Union, he mm -hmm. he often like tried to come down to a like a common denominator, where he said <laughs> like, if Earth was attacked by aliens, we sh two should work together and set aside our differences. Which, <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, like to give Reagan credit, I mean, that's a good way to come down to a common denominator by saying, hey, look, we're all human and we have to yeah. fight for the human race together if it is, if it is like threat. destroyed. Yeah. And there... then you can then work on to more specific uh, treaties and peace plans from that, technically. Yeah, it's a kind of like Dr. Manhattan in in the watchman kind of thing huh yeah, yeah. oh well on the, on the topic of presidents and ufos like just by pure coincidence the other day i read that uh, the only u.s president to have ever filed an official ufo report like of a ufo he saw himself mm -hmm. uh, was jimmy carter oh yeah i remember something like this but what did he see where did he see it like that was, I think, back when he was still a senator in Georgia, where, and he was like near a military base, and he saw like a weird mm -hmm. uh, orb just flying over a military base. Like, and he he didn't think it was aliens, but just some secret military vehicle. Mm 
Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think like later skeptics uh, have proposed that he very likely instead saw uh, something called a barium cloud, which I think is some just some weird uh, waste gas. Well, what produces barium? Isn't that like a almost radioactive element? I have honestly no idea. I haven't read much into it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, facts aside, I really like the whole mythos of this UFO lore. And I think it, it reflects in some of your artwork, too. Whereas, if I can offer a, a sneak preview to your followers at Hardeshur, oh, yeah, one, of the, one of the aircraft people use to explore your alternative Mars is this like man-made UFO kind of flying yeah, the, donut? The Avrocar, Avrocar, sorry, which was like an actual military vehicle developed in the late 50s, but it mm-hmm. like never left the, the testing stages. And oh, it was okay. like, basically, it, it literally looks like how you imagine a flying saucer, but with, but like powered by a wind turbine in the center. I wonder if it had two turbines because of counter rotation issues, but I don't know. Could be, yeah. I don't. And yeah, there are like a whole bunch, like a different whole universe of uh, conspiracy theories about how the, U- the famous UFOs, the giant UFOs that people have seen later, were not alien aircraft but just Afro cars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, uh, it's a bit loud uh, at your end. Oh, but, uh, sorry about that. Uh, it's gone down again. It's okay. Uh, yes. like a whole bunch of uh, alternate conspiracy theories about how most of most of the larger UFOs people have seen are actually uh, descendants of this Avro car that actually left the testing stage and have stayed secret the whole time. Well, I mean, it's a it's a pretty ineffective vehicle, by the way, don't you yeah, think? That it's... Is, uh, that, that's what makes it so uh, unlikely yeah, that the, the Avro car never left testing, testing stage because it sucked. Yeah, I mean, it has no place for fuel. It's extremely energy inefficient. Imagine, like, basically having a big, big jet engine, but no plane to attach it to. It's got, like, I don't know, like 10 minutes worth of fuel and... It, it's basically like when you blow up a balloon and kind of like let it loose in the room, kind of like it farts around and flies and shit. Yeah. But also you could only fly like one meter above the ground. Yeah. yeah. I literally think they got funding for it because it was like UFO shaped and made out of chrome. But what sort of tactical mission that thing would have, I don't know. Maybe a very, very expensive missile target testing, but I don't know. Maybe scaring other nations. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. So, I don't know. There's there for uh, Nick Pope. But I'm really looking forward to reading his other book, which is about the abduction phenomenon, apparently. And really, he really seems to have this, like, uh, defense bureaucrat's mindset. Basically, you know the old adage says to a hammer every problem looks like nails to nick pope everything looks like an air defense liability and he basically i don't don't know what he's going to say about abductions 
but I'm looking forward to re uh, reading it. By the way, do you know, I still haven't watched the Roswell autopsy video. The, what, the, like, the famous black and white one? That, exactly. That, that the hoax one, I mean. Yeah, but it scares me so much. It scares me so, so much. I, I I'm not sure if I've ever seen the full thing, but like of course, like of course, like clips of it have always like shown up in like these uh, like History Channel documentaries, and I for some reason like I have a deep fear of gray aliens, but for some reason the carcass in that uh, in that video doesn't scare me that much because it looks too human to f completely fall into the uncanny valley. Mm, I mean, like when they're like opening the brain and you see the whites of the eyes oh okay i've never seen that okay so you realize that the whole face is filled with two gigantic eyes and it's really scary so like by the way nick pope talk, talks about this in his book too like so in those days obviously there's no internet and someone who has the film comes all the way to london to give a screening to the UFO lobby there, that's the way he talks about the UFO community. And he says everyone was like laughing and like making jokes at first. But when the film ended, he says some people were actually whimpering in fear. And I don't know if it's an exaggeration, but I could see where he's coming from. Let me just tell that much. Maybe because <laughs> the quality was so bad. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I don't know. So at the end, like, that's the bizarre thing. He says it's either a very good fake or the evidence is right here all along. Kind of like the Patterson Gimlin film, you know, the, the one where they filmed Bigfoot. Bigfoot, yeah, yeah. Or, and there's or like, the, the, it's still being debated because, yeah, it could be a guy in a gorilla suit, but it would be one hell of a good gorilla suit. Yeah. Time it was made in. And they say like buttocks, the buttocks jiggle and it's got like realistic breast tissue and stuff like yeah. that. They invented TD physics back in the 30s. Yeah. Long yeah. before video games. Was that movie from the 30s? I thought it was the 50s. Uh, let me look it up quickly. I think or I even always, like... Because it's so black and white, I always keep thinking it's like before the 50s, you know. Patterson... It is in color and... Yeah, right, it is in color, you're right, but... Yeah, yeah, 1967, you're right, it's from the 60s. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, I don't know. I mean, dear viewers, what do you think? Which one of the two are real? Mention in the comments. So we kind of, like, get some benefits out of the algorithm. And if you listen this far, please consider supporting TK Sivgin and myself on Patreon. Especially uh, TK has some nice offerings, which you can only see on Patreon, by the way. So, so there. I also have a, a YouTube channel called Manu Spondylus. Uh, yeah, check that out too. I've started regularly uploading videos there. Yeah, they're really nice. You're using that AI really well. Thank you. Well, I mean, most of the work is done by the AI, but yeah. Yeah, one of the great developments in in the past couple of months was this kind of explosion of AI stuff. And it's not just mid-journey and like drawings with strange hands, basically, but there's a 
whole suite of AI programs and looks like everybody's going to like have these assistants in the future. And yeah. I mean, that's like the one good use of AI. Like that's like an actually creative use of AI where you take someone's voice and make them say anything for comedic value. But I, there's this like one video series where they have, for example, uh, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Barack Obama and George Bush like uh, play video games together. That oh, I didn't know me. that. Neat. They're hilarious. <laughs> oh, well, I think another side effect of this like AI programs, especially like with ChatGBT, like they write everything with ChatGBT now and like being in the advertising industry as a day job, like it's made my life easier. You, you still need to oversee it, but like people write their emails in ChatGBT and stuff. So what I think it's going to cause at one point, it's going to create a sort of inflation of text. And basically people are just going to just talk to each other in prompts and not even deal with the middleman anymore. So email. That's scary. Yeah. Like I've seen, I've seen people on Reddit reply with uh, chat GPT text. Like they're like so lazy to not even write a Reddit comment. Yeah, I'm just gonna order a coffee. Ah, benim bir cappuccino vardı ama unutuldu herhalde. Aşağı söyledim getireceklerdi. Aha. İşte aşağıda söyledim siz bekleyin getiriyoruz dediler. All right, I just ordered a cappuccino because I'm feeling a bit weak from talking my head off. But it's going to be like telegrams in the 19th century, like send money, stop, all is well, stop. And that's how like a lot of communication, because realize in the present day and age, especially with commercial activities, there's just a lot of bullshit text nobody needs to read. Like you turn the back of a milk carton and there's like paragraphs of shit in there saying, oh, the milk is essential for calcium and happy development at this program, blah, blah, blah, blah, blah. Do you really need that? Just needs one word, man. Milk, no fat. And then maybe one table for nutrition and shit. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the future, like, I don't think AI will, like, replace jobs. It will simply be another tool used mm. by those jobs. Yeah, like, but... You know, like, this this thing about, like, technology will replace all of your jobs. That's, like, been an empty threat made mostly by employers for decades. That's mm -hmm. just, again, like I said, a threat to... To make people fear for their jobs and work harder and make less demands, usually. Yeah, I mean, I don't doubt that people will adapt, but to push back on that, I mean, I know a lot of people who are like, not just, for example, imagine you are in a company, okay, and you're designing packaging for, I don't know, like shit products, okay, so you got like, brown shit, you got dark shit, you got runny shit, you got so you got all sorts of shit in that company. Now, used to be that you used to hire maybe a team of four people to design all that shit for the shit. But now what happens is you you fire all the minor designers, you know, and you only leave the major designer. 
And now he can just write prompts or like just kind of fine tune some of the designs created by this AI. But then the other three people now, they are looking for jobs too. They will find jobs, but they will not get practice with Photoshop, InDesign. They will not develop like some of the skills necessary to be a designer. I think in certain, especially visual aspects, it's already happening and like it's something to be watchful of. Like, it's not going to be like they take our gerbs all the time, but it's just going to be a tool for basically employers to exploit their employees even more. And I just think that part of it has to be like the transition has to be managed well. I don't Definitely. know. Yeah, like generally like AI needs to be regulated because it can be abused for so much like so much like there's like now like some AI I don't know the name of that like you give it a prompt and it generates a video mm. out of it and imagine if you if that becomes advanced enough at some point that you can tell it to create like like I don't like imagine like some politician says oh, I don't like that guy cre create like a, a sex tape of him where mm -hmm. he with his wife and then you yeah but and, like lies run faster than truths and then you already have done the damage even if they find out it was AI generated. So what happens is that with those scandals and like in in my country I lived through some. What happens is that even before AI, uh, there would be like severely incriminating audio recordings or sex tapes and stuff. And what people do with politics, it's like something magical actually. They say, oh, it's fake. Deny, deny, deny. They made it with a computer, they say. So people already grow some immunity to like that sort of stuff. I mean, I think in politics, like people never kind of like in the last two decades, people have lost faith in politics anyways. The belief in facts is no longer going to be an issue. It's just going to be determined by the leader's charisma and just my word against your word, motherfucker, that kind of thing. So, so not, not much is going to be new under the sun there, I think. Yeah, that's because like, especially with politics, people don't make rational decisions, but they make like honest decisions, but irrational decisions. That's, I think, why like, I mean, in Turkey, we saw it this week. So you can be very nice and promise all the nice things and sing all the nice songs. But if the other guy has gravitas, I mean, how are you going <laughs> to, it's just cult of personality versus cult of personality at this point. So, so that's very interesting, an interesting side tangent, but yeah, all right. We, yeah, we didn't want to talk more about politics, but here we are again. Well, I don't know. One of the one of my favorite things about our conversations do, is do that. Do you think aliens have a democracy? I mean, I don't think if if gray aliens, okay, if they really are what we think they are from the UFO phenomenon, they look like 
they are not single entities like human beings, but you know how like a mushroom is actually like the generated part of a wider network that's underground? Yeah. So like they're basically like created by some sort of overmind to come down to the earth and fulfill some sort of task. And maybe they're even like absorbed back into the ship when their duty is done. I, I see you take the the tyrannid approach to that. Not not just tyrannids, but also with like Solaris, uh, written by Stanislav Lem. Uh, yeah, right. Because yeah, like, currently the reports are so like inconsistent and so dreamlike that if we take it at face value, it has to be something beyond our experience. Yeah, I also, I think I said that in a past episode, uh, maybe number five, like where, where I said like if uh, greys do exist, which I don't believe, but for just a scenario, mm -hmm. they, they're more likely to be like drones or like machines built by the actual aliens just yeah, for yeah. interacting with humans. And that's why they look humanoid in the first place. Yeah, they're basically like those... Um, Zoologist puppets. I think we've spoken about this before, though. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I know. I just had like a very funny idea just now. Like, what? Let's imagine they are actually biological beings that are working for someone. Mm -hmm. Imagine if they have like unions, and they're like, "You want us to abduct way too many humans? We are being mm -hmm. overworked, man." How would you like to work the probes? Yeah, You're just happy up there piloting the ship. Yeah. U.S. So we can't uh, probe so many anuses in 16 hours. We, especially if we have to commute to Earth every single uh, day. Yeah, I mean, like you arrive at, you wake up at your pod in the UFO, and they give you an Excel file, and it's got like oh, abduction 6 a.m. Kentucky Louisville, and then next abduction. Um, 7 a.m. Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, stuff like this. So, like, how are we gonna get to there? To there in okay. crop circle, <laughs> cattle mutilation. So they give you like pile of shit to do, and like you go to the boss and say you gotta hire another another person here, maybe one of those insect yeah, and they, guys. And then they have to like deal with uh, like rowdy like customers in quotation like. Like some like Christian mom that thinks they're angels and mm. well, ask them all sorts of questions about God and they're like, uh, I don't know. Or or like they hire, they say, okay, we're gonna hire some new teammates for you, but it turns out they're these like mantis insect aliens who work for cheaper. So it's like ah, these guys again. <laughs> well, the Ryan C. Uh, have you ever played the game Startopia? No, no, no. But do it's, tell about it. It's it's a great like it's like a it's a management game where you're like the you're the manager of a giant uh, donut shaped space station, mm -hmm. and like over time, like multiple a different alien races uh, visit your uh, station, and you have to build like habitats and houses and entertainment for them so they settle Ooh. there so you basically have to build like this space station city 
and have to look that all of the alien species and needs are um, met. Are met, yeah. And it's just really like cute and fun, honestly. And it also has like a lot of humor. It sounds like is it a recent game? When was it made? I know that's like it. I think like from 2005 or something. But it got a sequel on the PlayStation 5 a few years ago. Wow, nice. Yeah, it sounds a bit yeah. like those zoo tycoon tycoon games. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of yeah, it's I I wouldn't say I wouldn't compare it directly to Sim City because it's not that complex, but it's mm -hmm. like it's like Dungeon Keeper from Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had this thing in Dungeon Keeper saying it is payday and then like yeah. you have to pay all your minions and stuff. Yeah, yeah, in Dungeon Keeper, you also had to look that, like, all the, like, the, the, the, the, the sorry, that the demons don't, uh, that the demons get along with the dragons and that the witches don't fuck up everything. <laughs> so, you know, and it's similar in this game, like, uh, this alien race hates the others, so you have to put their houses apart and stuff. <laughs> and what was cool was, uh, like, the top level of the space station was a bio deck where you could actually like recreate the biomes of each respective planet so the aliens would feel at home. Ah, do you think Rhinia had some influence from that or well, just a coincidence? Well, I don't know if Bob played it, but it had some influence on me when I was like restructuring the scenario, I think. Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, speaking of computer games, like one game I would definitely play if I had any time to play games would be one of those like Jurassic Park dinosaur creator games. Fuck, man. Oh, like Operation so Genesis. Good. Yeah, there's so many like there's like Path of Time. I don't know, like there's so many of those, but I, I would really like to like spend just one entire week like not beholden to anyone just making the dinosaur park of my dreams and just watching these like really well-crafted dinosaur models walking around. I mean, depending depending on how well your PC is, you could probably run Jurassic World Evolution 1 or 2. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or if that doesn't work, you can just play the old Operation Genesis. That is still a very good game. It's just... Uh, it just looks limited today compared to modern games, but back then it was amazing. I know, man. Last time I played any game was in 2011. Little what? Big Planet, that whole level creation game. You, you should really, you should get back into video games. Like so much has changed, and so many cool ones have come out. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm just, I'm, I'm just too old for that, I guess. I don't know. I think nobody's too old for that. That's just that's just fatalistic to say. Well, I'm I'm I'm still waiting for a sort of nice speculative evolution creature creator game to come out. A bit uh, like there, there is this one called a species uh, artificial life real evolution is the subtitle. It's it's like it's not like spore where you create the creatures yourself. Instead, you have like lit literally this like sandbox mm -hmm. where you start out with these worm creatures and you simply like change the timer and like they evolve on their own through 
actual natural selection. So like all kinds of day. Oh, it's that game where everything looks like weird worms and stuff. Yeah, and exactly. Like, and yeah, that that game didn't get the love it deserved because everyone thought it was a shit posting and like created these like stupid looking creatures. But it looks like very well made, like yeah. in-game world physics and stuff. Yeah, I played nice. the Steam version. It's just, it's really fun to just see. It. And you can like even selectively breed uh, creatures to look the way you want them, but you cannot directly create them. And I really like that. Oh, neat. Neat. Yeah. So there's so that, and then there is also this other game, Adapt, which is like the creature stage from Spore, but as its own game. Yeah, I've which heard. I think you would love, yeah. I've heard so many good things said about that. So, yeah, maybe one day, one day I'll get around to it. As we as we approach the one hour mark, I am uh, slowly getting ready to sign off. And any any last points you want to add? I mean, did you want to talk a bit more about the UFO? Do you want to talk about this guy, Timothy Good? What's his name? Oh, Project Blue Book or stuff like He has a bunch of books like Alien Contact and stuff like that. I had like, so he had a book called Beyond Top Secret. And Basically, it was in my high school library, and it was one of those books I would check out every other week just to like read, reread. And basically, it's just like a series of incident reports sandwiched with some weird text and like some, some weird photographs. And basically, he argues that aliens are already here and like governments have to disclose them and stuff. But I haven't, I haven't read any of his books in detail in the last 20 years. So I need to give this guy a reread. All right. Well, let me think of what I could add. Uh, well, I actually haven't talked about the modern Mario Brothers movie. Now that I think about it. Ooh, do tell, do tell, man. Uh, I liked it. It was fun. Apparently, there are like some nice elements of camp humor in it. I don't. I guess so. Like, it depends on how you define camp. But like, it, there was it didn't have like like lowbrow humor that you see in other like animated movies like this. You know, like where they mm -hmm. fart a lot and such. <laughs> and it, it was just like so full with references to like this. To like Mario and so many other games, it was insane. Like every like every second, you're like, wait, I recognize this, I recognize that. What the hell? Ah, nice. Yeah. Also, Donkey Kong plays a surprisingly large part in the movie. Yeah, and yeah, we should also talk about your uh, collection uh, interest for Donkey Kong merchandise and memorabilia, I guess. Yeah, it's not a bigger collection, but yeah, it should, it should maybe be the topic of a huge episode where it, I don't know, talk about Donkey Kong Country or something. Yeah, and like, I could also talk for hours about the awesome soundtrack, so let's maybe earmark that for another week. Yes. Do you have an idea for the next episode? 
I'm I don't know like I think this like freewheeling approach is really good unless like you and I both pick some like really nice work of fiction or something then we can talk at hours but I oh, think I I recently watched this great movie Harry and the Hendersons that you should maybe oh, also watch That's one of my wife's favorite films actually yeah. but have you uh, seen it No because we can't find it on pirate Ah okay uh, but She's a really big fan of that film and she's been wanting me to see it for like weeks and weeks now and also something else on my on our to watch list. Yeah, I I'll find it for you and then you watch it and then we can make an episode about Bigfoot. Wow, okay, okay. That actually would be like I would be so I'll be in your depth like if you can dig that movie up for me. Harry and the Hendersons everyone and this yeah, has been by the same guy who was also the predator. Ooh. Well, okay, I guess. <laughs> All righty. I think I'm ready to call it a day and thank right. you for this great conversation. I really miss talking with you and thank you too. It was it's always nice talking with you and we always have a lot of fun. Yeah yeah yeah and uh, dear viewers please comment on this video subscribe to this channel and uh, on every other platform too they're listed below and please consider donating to TK Sivgin's Patreon and until next time that's that from me CM Kozman It's all it's also been that from me TK Sivgin I hope you had a nice listen I'm sorry about the sound quality we had to record under uh, some circumstances but it will be better in the future yeah yeah don't worry it's uh, it's the gritty patino of life everybody yeah some people are into that probably yeah for the audio files among you next week i'll be ready with better gear all right so goodbye everybody goodbye